Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. This is a podcast about two people who aren't the same age, but historically speaking, I think arguably are rough contemporaries. But this is a podcast about two people who are rough contemporaries essentially hashing out the state of the Internet on the day it was recorded at least as they understand it or see it. I had originally conceived this episode to talk about the fact that a paradigm has shifted, and the paradigm was that data should be free and that data, you know, was free. And also I think that some of these platforms, some of these massive third-party companies, were going to if not always be there, they they were going to be um, willing partners in this new sort of uh, entry into cyberspace for all types of people uh, and organizations. As I'm recording this part of the podcast, um, Twitter is either being rebranded as the letter X or it has been rebranded as the letter X. Uh, Its user base has essentially plummeted. There's another uh, application called Threads, uh, which some argue is essentially a Twitter clone. Um, Whether it is or not, I don't know. There are a lot of podcasts lately that seem to give importance to what is essentially a a dying website. Um, and it was always sort of a smallish uh, social media outlet. And the question some people might have, if not in the future, in the present, might have is why I think it's because uh, two reasons one I think people of a cohort honestly believe that if Twitter wasn't too big to fail it was certainly important enough to stick around but also I think it was sort of emblematic as you know, this is how you get information out and yada, yada, yada. Sort of similar. Um, and there's other there's other episodes I have. There's another episode I have where I talk to a reporter who worked with Vice Media. And I, I sort of position um, that episode and this episode as kind of the same because people of a cohort are are sort of coming into the realization almost uh, as though they're being forced to come into the realization that actually the internet isn't permanent, number one. At least the sites on it aren't permanent, number one. Number two, they might not have been ever a good way to get real, actual communication that both needed to get across and was authentic. And number three, 
you know, it's sort of, and you see this a lot of places where it's like, okay, the future we thought we were going towards is not necessarily the future we're going to end up going towards. And what do you want to do about that? And I'm adding this as a preface onto a preface I already recorded simply because this is such a fast-moving story. Um, You know, I've said previously that I thought Twitter would weather uh, Elon Musk. I honestly don't know if the site that Twitter will become, that is x.com or whatever, I don't know if it's going to last the year, uh, either this year or next year. But it was, right, wrong, good or bad, a pretty important site for a lot of people. Um, And it was a pretty good way to communicate. It still is in some ways. Um, but I thought this was a pretty interesting sort of oral history. And so here you go. And like I say, you know, in the forward right after this, uh, thank you everybody for coming with me to the new platform and getting the various word out. I think I'm going to be posting more to threads, although, you know, Zuckerberg is not exactly the uh, knight in shining armor that he would want us to believe he is. Um, But to be honest, I, I don't know that I don't know what's going to happen to social media. I don't know that it, you know, I think maybe there was a heyday and maybe that heyday has passed partly because people have become very adult or mature about what's actually happening. But also maybe just, you know, Facebook, if you got off the garden path of family and friends was basically a sewer and that's pretty much the same with um, Twitter I mean if you if you got out of your Twitter bubble it's amazing how how quickly you could end up in the deep end of some situations all right um, like I always say I'm having a good day and I hope you are too and Thanks for listening, folks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History of Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very, very much for listening to mine. Increasingly, I've begun to feel like an era has ended. At first blush, this era might not seem very important. It might not even, you know, at first, come into people's radar, maybe even a lot of people's radar. It's not really an era, is it? It's it's a paradigm, now that I think about it. 
what I'm talking about is this idea that people of an age had, and frankly that age might go from 25, maybe even 18 or 19, all the way possibly to 70 or 80 years old. What am I talking about? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and a whole host of other social media sites increasingly were seen as utilities. Not just by people, not just by regular citizens, but by um, corporations. You know, as somebody who's recently gotten back into gaming and come into purchasing a lot of uh, electronic related stuff uh, you know for the home and things like that it's kind of shocking to me how much reddit is depended on by the manufacturers of items like uh, speakers uh, cell phones computers, different operating systems. It's like the penchant that people used to have for documentation, for manuals, has shifted entirely, almost entirely to YouTube and to, to Reddit and things like that. And this is especially true, I think, with Reddit and Twitter. A lot of people in cities and, you know, various and sundry groups and companies even, essentially almost fooled themselves, you could argue, into thinking that Reddit was the perfect place to farm out documentation for what appeared to be volunteers, although I, I would not be shocked if some of them were paid. Because frankly, a good subreddit, as it's called, I think is a great way to advertise honestly. Anyway, what was the old paradigm? The old paradigm, I think, was a lot of people thought that the internet was just always going to be there, and it was basically always going to be available, and yeah, pretty much all of the founders of the various platforms were going to play by rules that basically said, we're going to allow for you know, news outlets to use our website to get their message across. We're going to allow for basically comment threads or Reddit threads to be, to just exist in that we're going to let companies, we're going to allow companies to build, you know, situations for our, um, not so usable user interface to become more usable. And we're not going to charge them for this privilege. Around this, there was a widely believed idea or set of ideas, which basically boiled down to information is free and easily available via Google. You need to know that right now, Google accounts for approximately 94% of all web searches. 
uh, TikTok is creeping up there, but it, fundamentally that's a different search experience, I think, TikTok. It's something that you would only search for uh, mainly for TikTok videos about stuff, and companies are putting up uh, advertisements for, I guess, like their establishment or things like that, but TikTok isn't anywhere anybody should be going, I don't think, uh, to learn concepts. And a lot of people, especially a lot of adults, tend to use Google as a way to teach themselves things. Uh, that Google and uh, also the world's, uh, up until recently, the world's largest video service, which is, of course, YouTube, or was YouTube. I'm sure now it's TikTok. Anyway, this is what, to use an American idiom, I call the sacred cows of before, that information was free and available, and lots of journos, as my guest calls them, and also cities and companies uh, use Twitter to get the word out. And then, quite a few months ago, um, Twitter was purchased by uh, Mr. Elon Musk, and we can debate how much of this problem with Twitter is his fault. Uh, some of it is, and how much of it is the attitude of certain people that were on Twitter. But uh, I think it was last weekend at this point, um, Twitter actually left the internet for a little while. And this was during the NHL draft. And for those of you who have been listening to this channel, uh, my podcast, you will know that uh, I'm a bit of a hockey fan. Well, you can imagine quite the surprise when not just bloggers and, and journos with hockey, but also executives and scouts could not use their Twitter uh, to communicate with each other. And when I heard that on a podcast that I listened to, um, some ideas that I've had in my head that I thought were loose threads just sort of crystallized into one thought, which is basically this. Before recently... We had this paradigm that the internet was basically stable and that corporations and journalists, etc., etc., were basically content to allow people to exist on a free or semi free internet where we could pretty much get various words out. And this thing with Twitter basically illustrated a point that the internet, sort of like the enclosure movement in England in the Middle Ages, the internet is coming into walls more and more. And some of these walls might not be put up for uh, reasons that one can rationalize, given the narratives that we have today. I think also one of the other paradigms that is being severely challenged is something that people used to say, especially about Twitter, 
was that Twitter was the news. Well, I, I can hear that now, and I mean, lots of people can hear that now. And immediately people think, well, that was marketing. And it was actually very effective marketing because people were doing it themselves. People were going on Twitter to, to look at the news. And I suppose if one only went to read papers or what CNN or whatever was saying, then yeah, sure, it can be a somewhat of a digest of the news. But that's not all Twitter was. It was a lot of things. Um, infamously, when the website Tumblr uh, decided to ban pornography, a lot of the pornography went to Twitter. Uh, you know, Twitter was also a place to go promote independent IP because you could use hashtags and and put your um, IP in front of people. Uh, you know, if you use the right hashtag, and, um, you know, and that became less and less effective over time, both because Twitter decided to lean into the monetization of those hashtags, and also, I think, because, um, and they proved it, actually, this has been proven, that Twitter basically would what they call nerf people that is they would they would limit the reach of certain people you know TikTok is is being um, lampooned in the press and in Congress for doing that but the fact is Twitter did it and frankly so did Facebook I mean you know so basically but the more I started thinking about this, as the, the various hockey journalists were screaming about Twitter being down, the more this became sort of a, a crystallized moment in my head. And it was a paradigm, because here were these very adult, very mature people that were baffled that Twitter was actually down, and was down for a very long time. And then it occurred to me, it's because we all thought that it really wasn't going to go down. Because we all thought that the people running Twitter, you know, might have views that the bulk of Twitter's user base, or a lot of Twitter's user base, uh, might not like. But they're not, they're always going to keep Twitter around. They're going to keep it up as long as they can. Because, you know... How else do people get the word out, etc., etc.? And so I immediately thought I should do a show about this where I talk to somebody, which leads me to Dan Toller. Dan Toller is a very thoughtful guy, he's a very intelligent person. He runs a show called Relevant History. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's a very, very good show. I would put it, and I say this in the episode, I would put it on par with um, Dan Collins' um, Hardcore History. Um, and I'm very serious about that. He he um, teaches people uh, 
right now he's doing a long-running series about nationalism. Um, but, I mean, I interviewed him about, about his take on the fall of the Roman Empire, which is, by the way, a take that I like a lot. I think it's a very valid, and it, it's fallen out of favor with people uh, in the academic world. But his take on the fall of Rome, I think, is very worthwhile and, and a, a very, you know, interesting and worthwhile thing that people should should hear. Um, he's like myself. He's an independent podcaster. Um, he he resides. He'll he'll happily. He doesn't care if I tell people. He resides in Syracuse, New York. And, um, anyway, I really like his show, and I like what he has to say on a lot of things, including, by the way, Twitter, which is one of the things that, that we agree on, is that this sort of, this thing with Twitter and us and people is kind of a byproduct of Twitter's selling people on the fact that it was the news. It is not the news. But when we zoom out more broadly, this isn't just about Twitter or TikTok or in some instances in some instances Google. This is about an enclosure movement on the internet. This is about people wanting to get back into the silos. This is about media figuring out that once people become accustomed to paying a monthly fee to watch Netflix or to listen to Spotify, why can't they pay a monthly fee to read the newspaper on their phone? So in some ways, I think we're going to head back towards the future. And in other ways, I think we're going to go off into... I don't want to say brave new world because that's not at all what I'm talking about. But sort of a hybrid of a very, very old way of thinking mixed with very new technology. Mixed in a lot of instances with technology that um, you know is so new that only the children know about it. There's actually a, a, a famous thinker, I can't remember his name right now, who said this is one of the only times in history that that the child is actually teaching the parent about something as vital as how to do the parent's job on a new platform. And I think that's important, and I think that's going to pay... We're going to reap the consequences of that in, in multiple ways, and not just positive, but not just negative, but also positive consequences. Um, and also, um, a lot of you have come to the new platform, and I'm grateful for that. Um, there still are um, multiple feeds. One of them is dead, but multiple feeds on Apple. But in general, if you Google the History Voyager podcast, the whole thing, uh, you can find me. Uh, thanks a bunch for listening, and I'll see you later. Okay, folks. Okay.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings, and I, you know, this used to be a history podcast. It's somewhat, I think, is the history of today, and I wanted to talk about the state of social media with somebody that I've come to think of as a friend, um, fellow podcaster, Mr. Dan Toller. Um, how you doing, Dan? Doing well, Ben. Thank you. So, Dan, uh, we were talking off air, or I guess before I started recording, about social media and a little bit about what's going on. Tell me, um, what was your first um, social media experience? Like, what was the first platform or whatever? Now, this is interesting, right? Because... What is social media? I want to say MySpace, but then I think I'm like, well, is LiveJournal social media? Is Zanga social media? <laughs> Was AOL Instant Messenger social media? I don't think that really counts, but... I think it might, because people used to, were probably about the same age, and people used to huddle up in the dorm room in college and sit around and... Oh, true, because totally. you could have group chats and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember that sound. I can't, I don't want to make it right now, but I totally remember that, that sound. Okay, so you're a few years older than me. Uh, you're, you're, you're talking uh, AOL Instant Messenger in college. That was more high school for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. The first time... So the first time I saw something that in retrospect I think might have been social media was AOL the Messenger. But the first time I ever used anything, do you remember Yahoo Groups? Wow. Vaguely. Vaguely. Okay. Alright. Yeah, but they didn't market themselves as social media at all, I don't think. Well, I don't think that was even a term back then, right? I mean, when did when did people start even calling social media social media? I mean, this is an interesting question. I want to say uh, it was at some point during Facebook. Okay, that sounds right. I want to say that. I don't know if that's true. But I... One of the reasons I, I think this is worthy of a podcast is because what I've noticed is folks of because I've got news for you, in about 100 years, we're going to be the same age. <laughs> we will be rough <laughs> contemporaries. <laughs> right. So, so people, people essentially of our age in the last several years have started to have this, is social media a thing I need to be on sort of thought process? Yeah. Right? No, I deal with that with my show, because I find Twitter to be mostly toxic. <laughs> like, most of what comes up in my feed is just, like, inane political rantings. And, you know, you can't say anything constructive that's political in a hundred and however many characters. So it's always just people yelling. Yeah. 
and and virtue signaling for whatever their team is, and it's 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 annoying. But then I'm like, oh right, I have to be there because I have this show, and well, I want people to listen, and Twitter's where the people are. So. <laughs> well, first of all, I think I found you on Reddit. I mean, yes, yes, uh, yeah, R slash podcasting podcast guest exchange, one of those. I- I don't remember, but I, I do remember listening to your show and thinking, this guy is really good. Like, this guy is really, really, really good. Um, Why, thank you. I... You're welcome. And Reddit also is is something that, because I use Reddit now for manuals. I find it's very useful for manuals. But also, I've gotten back into gaming um, at a ripe old age. Right on. Um, yeah. And something that I've noticed as kind of an outsider, it's amazing how much of what a manual should be happens on Reddit for gaming. Well, we were talking offline about uh, Europa Universalis and Crusader Kings, like all of those Paradox games, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to play those games. <laughs> If it weren't for the subreddits. I need to go... I, I want to like Europa Universal. I mean, I love the premise. I love the premise, but the mechanics, I just can't get around. So I spend time on Reddit, and it occurred to me, I was like, man, if you went back 20 years ago, and you said, hey, president of Sun Data Systems, um, this is a this is a third party website, and what we need you to do is put instead of doing documentation for your for your products, just have volunteers talk about it on this third party website, and people will figure it out. Right. Well, yeah, they're gonna you know they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna deal with going public, honestly. Uh, have you been following the, the, the whole, did you follow the, the brouhaha in the last couple, uh, oh, that, well, I want to say a month was, or so at Reddit with the blackout and everything? That was one of the reasons why I even wanted to talk about this with a person, was, like, some of, I mean, some of the subreddits, like, closed. Well, some of the subreddits that I'm, that I'm aware of, because of, I get my podcast guests from there. Some people really need those. Like, some people actually need them. Yeah, not, yeah, like, uh, like people who rely on a particular product, well, whether like, for their um, business or their health, maybe. Not exactly, like people that rely, people that are asking questions about health, or, or people that, um, uh, so the screenwriter subreddit, for one, um, the guy wanted to close. He wanted to, to darken, but, too many people were like, "No, I need this for my job. I, I you know, I need, I need this to, to do my thing." Or like the what was another subreddit? I don't remember, but there was a couple subreddits that were basically for professionals for their jobs, and they wanted to close, but people were like, "No, I need this." And I thought, here we are using social media for something that it was never intended to be used for. Right? Uh, not in the beginning. Do you remember the old uh, Usenet groups, the alt groups? 
I'm not that old, but yeah. Well, I used to hang. Well, that's funny because <laughs> we talked about me being a little younger. I used to hang out, uh, I guess, with some oldsters in Alt Twenty Six Hundred. It was the the hackers uh, alt group, okay. and it's where I learned a lot of the the first things I learned about computers was just hanging out in these Usenet groups. Mm-hmm. But. Nobody was relying on that as documentation for anything. Like, I, I don't think anybody really shed a tear when that went away. We just woke up one morning and realized we hadn't been on Usenet in 10 years and it was irrelevant. <laughs> well, I think... I think there's an awful lot of people that go to YouTube University. Mm. You know? I think yes. there's a lot. I think there's a lot of that, and I mean, I'm guilty as charged for like Linux and stuff. I, I use it for because I'm trying to learn Linux. So, um, but that wasn't around, you know, years ago. Okay, I see what you're saying. So you can you can search YouTube and how to do X Y Z, what what have you, mm-hmm. or GitHub or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, incredibly handy that way. Oh yeah, but see, I mean, I I used to get emails from. I think I told you this in the thing I said to you. I used to get emails from uh, Google uh, saying, "Hey, man." Um, we don't like you running ads for this podcast on COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they squawked one of my biggest ads. Like they squawked this ad was really doing the numbers. Oh, jeez! And, and they killed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. They worry so much about. Businesses getting upset about what kind of content their ads are going to get geared with. Right. I don't think they've even got the basics right yet, though. Let me. Can, can I tell you a story of something that happened to me just last week? Okay, please. It's a very short story. I was watching a YouTube channel. I'm a fan of Mentor Pilot. It's M E N T O U R Pilot. He's a Swedish guy who's a pilot, and he talks about aviation-related stuff, and uh, he has one series he does on plane crashes, and very thoughtful, analytical, you know, safe-for-work type review of, you know, how did this disaster happen, what lessons did we learn, how did the aviation community get better, Um, you know, not objectionable at all, very ad-appropriate, and... Mm. Um, I get an ad for Emirates Airlines in the middle of it. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm thinking of myself. I'm like, okay, they got the demographics right. Okay. Mid-30s, no kids, just got a new job. Maybe I'm looking to spend some money on a vacation, right? For this Emirates Air ad. But... Advertising 101, man. You don't air an airplane ad in the middle of a show about an airplane crash. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, 
I can tell you on the back of my Google Ads, I can deep dive into demographics if I want. I can deep dive into somebody's... I can go ape on, 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 like, do I want this version of this OS looking at me or that version of that OS looking at me, right, or whatever. But, you know, it's like I think they're focusing on the wrong things, for one. Or some of the not, they need to focus on what you're saying, like, what are you putting this on, right? Right. And they also, I think, need to focus on, like, you know, is this guy putting out information that people want to hear, like, that's useful? Or is he telling you that this plane crash was caused by space aliens from, that run the planet or something? I mean, you know what I'm saying? See, that one's trickier for me, because, and, and, and again, it's so hard to do at scale, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking about being a history buff. I'm thinking about the History Channel and so, some of the nonsense they air, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, ancient aliens and all that nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. And yet they have advertisers who are willing to pay good money to have their products aired during those time slots, right? But that's being done by human beings, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying. You can't can't do that with a bot. Because of a bot. There there, there are only certain products where that works. Where that doesn't kill your credibility. I mean, I would think so. I watch a lot of tech reviews. Um, Some of the tech reviews I watch are pretty huge. I would have Soon they have a person for them. I'm guessing. Okay. I'm guessing. I don't know. Like kind of well, figuring like, out where to place ads. Yeah, I mean, do you want to... So, I don't know if you know who NKBHD is, but do you want to have an ad for... I don't know. Um, you know, a Medicare ad. On an MKBHD uh, review of phone or something, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Let me okay. ask you. Let me ask you this, because I've noticed this. I have two separate Google accounts: one for me and one for my podcast. Have you noticed? Have you noticed on your Google account for your podcast that your ads are different than your regular? Yes. Okay. Yes, very much so. Talk um, about that. Oh. I would... I don't know that my experience is going to be particularly relevant because until recently I worked as a copywriter and I mostly wrote product reviews. So my experience is probably going to be the inverse of most people's. Uh, With my personal account, I was doing work stuff and I was doing so many tech reviews day in and day out that... You know, my quote-unquote interests, as far as Google is concerned, 
is just kind of throw it up against the wall. Whereas uh, the account I use for my show, I'm usually logged into that on YouTube all the time on my desktop because YouTube I really only use for uploading my show or for personal use. I never used it for work. So <laughs> the ads I got on that account probably actually were more at reflective of my interests. Your ads for work or your ads for well, because my, my podcast account was one I oh. used more personally, and my quote-unquote oh. personal account I was using all the time for work, so it came to not reflect me, but my work interests. Well, plus, I mean, you can't, I mean, okay, so, you can't have this deep dive into the Seven Years' War that I'm re-listening to, and not be interested in history, like, just, you know. You can't talk about, what do you call it, World War Zero? Yes. Because I've never heard of it. I've never thought of it that way. World War Zero. But you can't talk about World War Zero and not be interested in history. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, both YouTube accounts, if I go on YouTube, they know exactly what I want. It's, you know, history buffs. World War Two, Real Crusades history, I think, is always in my recommendations. There's, you know, several others. Yeah. I go on Twitter if Dan Carlin's been active in the past week. He's at the top. <laughs> I mean, the fascinating... You're, you're always up there. I know. I mean, I could tell because every I could tell when you're on Twitter because you like something. Like... <laughs> No, but the fascinating thing to me is, like, so I started putting in these Let's Plays or these, like, how to play this game or something. And before, like, I would put in, like, I want to see about, like, like, before I'd be, like, I want to learn something about the English Revolution or the English Civil War. But you might see, like, three things about the English Civil War. But, man, let me tell you, if you do, if you're, like, I want to see if this game is cool before I buy it. And you get, like, a gazillion people. Like, <laughs> you know? Yes. Okay, I don't know, does that speak to volume or what? You know, probably... Well, it depends what the people are saying, doesn't it? Because I did you see? Oh, now I'm I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Uh, the 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 one. Uh, I'm I'm being a very bad guest here. The the vegan guy. I cannot remember his name. The vegan guy. Oh, he so was a vegan here. He was in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, um. Oh. Yeah. He played the Joker in uh, Suicide Squad. Jared Leo. Jared Leo, okay. He was in he, he was in some superhero movie where he was a supervillain. I forget what the movie Morbius. Morbius. Jared Leto, and, you mean? Yeah. And okay. the movie was 
horrible. I mean, it was supposedly just really bad, but it went viral for being bad. And uh, Disney or whoever saw that it was trending on social media. And so bought more theaters for it. And, you know, basically wasted their money because they were renting theaters and they weren't selling tickets. <laughs> because they were trending for all the wrong reasons. But they were they were getting mixed signals. I mean, you know, movies are... A movie ticket these days is more is so expensive. You can't hate watch a movie in the theater. But you really just, can't. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to spend thirty bucks just for myself to, to watch a movie that I don't want to see. Good. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> But yeah, they just saw the buzz and they said, oh, it's getting buzzed. People are going to go see it. Well, there turns out there is such a thing as bad press, I guess, right? <laughs> I see through a movie. Well, okay, so, all right. So, but you think I'm broadly right that, that people, I guess, of our cohort are sort of like, do I really want to be on social media, yes or no? Well, I think our cohort is unique. Okay. Excuse me. I have, I've talked about this with my brother, actually, because he's, um, well, I have a, several brothers, but the, the one I'm talking about is about 10 years younger than me. Okay. And I've explained to him that I feel in many ways that I have more in common with, like, Gen Xers who are, like, 20 years older than me. Than okay. with younger millennials who are like 10 years younger than me in terms of growing up and having a memory of a world before social media. If that makes right. sense. Cause, cause when you and I went through our formative years, we didn't have yeah. that, right? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, look at, look at like the d depression and suicide rates among teenage girls, right? Right. That you didn't have with our, our cohort of, of young women. As, as much, it, right, yeah. Because they weren't comparing themselves to everybody on the planet via social media. Or, like, you don't, you didn't have, so when I would do my education, uh, my anonymous teacher podcast, like, I had one teacher talk about that, right? He was in Britain, and he talked about how he, he, he taught 12-year-olds. Um, he taught 12-year-olds, 12-year-old uh, girls. It was an all-girls school. And he said, uh, he asked his, his girls, his students, um, if they've ever had, if they've ever, I mean, there's had a, if they've ever had a boy send them a picture of a penis. And he said every single girl in his classroom raised her hand. Wow. And these are 12-year-olds. I mean, think about that. Wow. That's Ooh. pretty crazy. <laughs> there is something about things being digital that just makes it so easy, isn't there? It's, I don't know what, what it is. It's an, it's an impulse. 
Yeah. Yeah, and... It's not... You're not really thinking? Well, jeez, yeah. I mean, I remember being a teenage boy. My God, my brain was just, you know, basically like this little walnut in this soup of testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> right, but I mean, it's like... I mean, my cousin uh, was talking... He's got a phone with a teacher. And he was talking about... Um, uh, his friend that's a teacher was, was saying, like, he's seen fights break out because kids will text each other. And, the, like, you know how, like, your text will be left unread, like the circles below the text? Yep. You know? You haven't read my text yet. Bam. <laughs> Jeez. You know, like, eh. I don't know. I don't know. So, let me ask. I've been wanting to ask another podcaster this question forever. Um, where do you think voice calls are going to go? You know, like, over the phone? Do you think we're going to have to reinvent the phone? Or You know, I don't know. Because I was just reading about this. Um, with, okay. uh, I... I want to say I was reading about it on Yahoo News, but they reprint so much stuff from other places. I don't think they actually do any reporting anymore. But um, they were talking about uh, Gen Z uh, workers in the workplace not wanting to make phone calls. Oh, yeah. Phone calls. And how it was, it was actually becoming a problem for managers. And you know, I thought on the one hand, well, Voice calls have always kind of been suboptimal and clunky, right? Because you're missing visual cues. <laughs> we, should, we should tell everybody we're, we're right now on Skype. Yes, I can see Ben right now. <laughs> and, and there is something to the, the visual cues, right? I mean, if you're telling a story, um, I don't feel the need to say, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. Uh-huh, right? I can just kind of nod along as you're telling your story, and you can it keep, and, and, and it flows more naturally that way with the nonverbal communication. On the other hand, there are times I don't want to be on a voice call. <laughs> or, I, I'm sorry, there are times I don't want to be on a video call. Right, right. I think I said one time, I said Twitter is the only social media app out. I mean, TikTok is the only social media app around that you have to shave before you use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This is truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, so I think it'll be interesting, but I, I, think, I think we'll get back to, you know, you know what, uh, you know what interests me is the, the VR stuff. Yeah. So if, if we're talking about, you know, communications uh, in the future. Right. VR kind of takes it full circle, right? Because then you can get uh, the remote aspect of, uh, you know, a, a phone call. 
not having to be physically present, but then you get all the nonverbal, and uh, it's very convenient because it's just something you wear on your face. I, I honestly think if they can figure out a way to make that headset light and less clunky and not hot and sweaty, because I've only yes. worn it, I've only done this once, and I was amazed at the experience, but after about half an hour, I wanted to take it off. <laughs> you know, it's probably healthy, though, right? You don't want it to be too appealing, because then, like, people, people get sucked into that. But one of the things, like, People used to, when I would interview people about it, they would say, or when I interview futurists, you know, they would say, well, VR's coming down the road, but I can't, I can't see a use for it. You know, VR's coming down the road, but I can't see a use for it. And I would basically just be like, well, that tells me you're too old right there. Because I can come up, I mean, without even thinking about it. You mean what, what is this podcast rated? Because, you know, Rule 34? I made it not safe for work. What's the deal? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I can think of some pretty explicit yeah. uses for VR, and, All right. you know, if, if nothing else, people are going to take us there, so then we got to ask the question, well, what can we use this technology for that is actually productive? <laughs> well, if you, Well, if you think about it, if you think about it, the technology for smartphones or, or whatever was probably around for years and years before anybody put it in a, into a box. You know? But the thing that made it proliferate was that it got cheap enough for the kids. And so the kids figured it out. And then the adults were like, oh, well, I can do this. Right? Kind of. But, but you had the Blackberry before you had the iPhone. I mean, I remember my dad had a Blackberry he used for work because you could, you could use the little trackball and you could send emails and stuff, and at the time that was a big deal. But you can't... But where's the Blackberry today versus... Well, Apple had the, had the user interface, right? They had the touchscreen. I mean, that yeah. made all the difference versus a, a, a trackball and a, you know, QWERTY keypad with, you know, right. keys the size right. of pinheads. <laughs> right. Or, like, you think about it, like, the first time I ever saw an Apple commercial, like, the first iPhone commercial I ever saw, I literally laughed at. Because I was like, who would buy that? You know, like, they said, I'm not, I'll never forget it. One of the uses for the for the iPhone was like if you heard a song walking down the street, you could go on your iPhone and find out what the song was. And I'd be like, "Why would any? No, that's not. No." But see, I'm looking back. I wasn't the demographic they were looking for with that. You know. Well, yeah, you get them. Can I bring this back to social media? Sure. Because I had a thought. 
You asked something on Twitter the other day that I thought was interesting. Okay. It was, when did MySpace become irrelevant? Yeah, I think it was when Facebook opened up to high schoolers. Do you remember that? I wasn't in high school then. I wasn't in high school then either, okay? Get this. I was part of a very special cohort. I was part of the high school class of 2004, which means that fall 2004, I was a college freshman, right? Okay. And that was the year that Zuckerberg took Facebook outside of the Ivy League to a few other top universities, including my alma mater, Notre Dame. So I was one of the very first users of Facebook outside of the Ivies, right? I think I was, too, but... Well, at the time, you needed an EDU. Well, you have a master's, right? So you might have still been in school. Right. So... Did you, time, did you get on there when you, when you needed an EDU? Uh, yeah. You, you needed an EDU, but you also... Um, the thing I think that they should never have gotten rid of, okay? I'm all for... I'm all for, you know, let everybody with any whatever email account get on Facebook. Sure, fine, great. That's fantastic. I'm all for that. But the thing I think they got rid of that they should never have gotten rid of is you had to take a quiz. If you wanted to be friends with somebody, you had to take a quiz about the person. I forgot this. You know, the I'm only thing with the memory. All right, yeah, yeah, bring, it, bring us back here, Ben. <laughs> okay, the only reason I remember this, the only reason I remember this is because my mother wanted to be my Facebook friend. And I, I would set up, like, here's my Facebook quiz, right? Uh, what is, you know, what is Ben's favorite band? Right? Well, all of Ben's friends know what Ben's favorite band is. Even people that don't like Ben know what Ben's favorite band is. You don't even have to be my friend to know my favorite band is Metallica, right? So, okay, so that right there. All of my friends know vaguely where I'm from, so if I list out a bunch of Canadian cities, nobody's going to think I'm, you know, nobody who knows me is going to, you know, they're going to know where I'm from. Oh, yeah, Ben from Toronto. <laughs> basically, basically. Right, right, exactly, exactly. I think they never should have gotten rid of that. I think they should have kept that. Because That's that a... way... What did you say? No, I, 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 was, I was agreeing. I was going to say that's a great idea. <laughs> I think they never should have gotten rid of that. Because you want to have... People, if you're having this as like your friends, you want to have your friends on, and not people stalking people, and <laughs> you know, like yes, yes. I think I think that isn't that the problem with all social media though, because we there's I was thinking about this with Twitter, right? Okay, right with with. You know, exclusivity versus uh, inclusivity. And 
thinking about, you know, all the journos want a fact-checked platform. Right. And they don't understand that that's not what Twitter was ever meant to be. I was in college when Twitter started. Twitter was where you went to tell your friends what bar you were going to. Like, <laughs> it was not meant to be the place for 100% accurate facts. Now, is it incredibly useful for dissidents and political movements? Yes, 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 wonderful, I, but... I, I think Boston should be able to tell people the train is down on Twitter. They were using, Boston was using Twitter to tell people the train is down. Okay. You know, like, or the, the snow is bad or whatever, like, like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you're right. You're right. I absolutely agree with you. And, I mean, I have a, I, I have a Twitter experience. I'll talk to you all day long about how I've learned so many news stories from Twitter that were totally true. Okay? I found out, for example, I found out from laying in my bed watching Twitter one morning. I, I looked at a, a hospital in Italy and I saw people on the floor in a hospital in Italy from COVID. There, weren't, there wasn't enough beds in this hospital or chairs or anything. And they were putting people on the floor. In closet. Okay, and I'll tell you all day long that Twitter was a great place to, was, is, whatever, a great place to watch, keep up with stuff, and blah, blah, blah. This lady tried to dox me because I said ice cream was not a health. <laughs> Jeez, I remember you telling me about this. <laughs> okay. I mean, what? You, you, you don't even have to tread into a political minefield these days to have some crazy person try and dox you, apparently, right? <laughs> I mean, she's like, you know, I just, I, but you're right, I think, I think the journos and people, you know, serious people, might have sold everybody on the idea that Twitter was the AP. And yeah, and you need some, and and for that you need some degree of exclusivity. Uh, and that doesn't uh, sound nice to say because everybody wants a democratized system. But I'm saying if you want a fact-checked ecosystem, you have to limit membership because you can't scale the ecosystem without using bots to police it. And if you're using bots, you're going to make mistakes. And well, there you go. Right, right. I mean, exactly. And then the and part of the problem, I think, is we get into this. We had a plague that a great that a non-zero number of people never bought, never bought. You know, they never thought it was real, even to this day. And I think that got a, that got us into a problem. Right. When you have COVID and you can argue about I mean, I even argue how many people died from COVID. 
you know, was it 1%, was it 2%, was it 3%? Yeah, we don't really know because there's, there, there's so many comorbidities. Or, like, one thing from my podcast about the Spanish flu, and this is what I tell people, I have a neighbor who has a child that's about two years old. When that child is 78, they will start to have a, it will come back from the dark room, so to speak. How many people die from COVID? That's when they're going to start to realize, start to pull in the numbers. When they look at the uh, population curve, you mean? When they think about things like, okay, so with the Spanish flu, um, modern folks, um, modern folks today are running around knowing that you can't die from the cold. Okay? Well, oh, I see what you're saying. It, 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 it mutated, it became less deadly. It is well, still so, with us. Well, so Dan, so, well, here's the deal. Um, in, so, in the, in several years, in that, co in that time span, Dying of the, quote, cold was one of the main ways people died. You're talking uh, pneumonia, right? I mean, you get, you, you get a cold, you, you get a bacterial lung infection, and... Yeah, but so they died... Antibiotics, uh, that's all she wrote. <laughs> well, what they did was they diagnosed um, what should have been the Spanish flu as a cold. And the person oh. died. The, okay. Or... Or like, um, one of the things I noticed from talking to people about COVID was the number of people that I, in fact, it was one person who said they're not missing anybody, you know, all the people in their lives are present and accounted for, that made me realize people are dying from COVID or people or whatever from COVID and nobody's paying attention to those people, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be interesting, uh, especially over in China with them reopening, because, mm -hmm. you know, they had lockdowns for a couple of years, so no natural immunity, and then they're, they didn't want the Western vaccines, they had their homegrown vaccines, and it turns out those aren't much good against the variants. I don't think anybody are... Uh, not anybody. I don't think a lot of people... I think a lot of people thought COVID was going to go away. Uh, was magically going to disappear. Well, as soon as it went worldwide, I knew it was endemic. I think anybody who understands just... Right. Basic... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, exponential growth knows it's endemic yeah. because it's out there. And, and once it, you know, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say once it started to mutate, that was it, right? That was game over. Because mm -hmm. if you had one original variant and you had mass inoculation, maybe you get rid of it, like you got rid of polio. But or almost got rid of polio. <laughs> the polio. That's a whole different yeah. conversation. <laughs> Polio came back. You know, right, once it, once it morphs, or, uh, 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 right. mutates, you know, there, there you go. You, you're never going to get 
you know, 90% of people or whatever it is current on their immunizations. It's with us. Yeah, it's here. I mean, so, as a content creator, what do you think the future of social media is going to be? Looking into my crystal ball here? Yeah. I see more democratization and more and smaller platforms. Uh, take the Reddit model. <laughs> yeah, because right, we were we were talking about this. Um, they've got a problem, and their they problem do. is well, yeah, because they're trying to go public, right? But they their problem is they have a lot of upset moderators. And their moderators are not just maintaining their individual communities, they are enforcing site-wide rules. If these moderators in various communities stop moderating in the subreddits, you're going to see an explosion of bots, you're going to see an explosion of spammers, porn, all that stuff just all over Reddit, because nobody's moderating. Well, okay. And this is I know, all... I know, what, I know what Reddit is, you know what Reddit is, but I don't, I, I have, or maybe I used to have a lot of people, maybe I still do, I don't know. But I have people that don't know what Reddit is. So why don't you explain what Reddit is? Okay. So we can try it together. So Reddit... <laughs> Reddit is a massive forum. Uh, it's really just a platform with a whole bunch of independent, semi-independent forums called subreddits. Um, so you go to reddit.com slash r slash whatever the community name is, and you have an online community there. Uh, you have subreddits that are fandoms around games and movies and intellectual properties. You have subreddits for cities and locations, podcasts, right? Um, anything you might have a forum for, you have a subreddit. For. The R U the R Ukraine Reddit or subreddit is sad as much as anything else. Is it? Oh, God, it's, imagine, like, your apartment building has been blown up, but you went to the market, right? So you're on your phone trying to figure out where to go, because your apartment building got blown up. Okay, trying to find, like, you know, obviously... American here, but, you know, trying to find, like, where is the, uh, Red Cross shelter or whatever. Uh, just where, you know, where do I go? Where do I, you know, whatever, right. And then later, you'll go on sub, you'll go on and you'll be like, okay, now that I'm somewhat processing that my apartment blew up, um, has anybody seen these people? Oh, they're looking for family members. Yeah. Well, that's one of the nasty little secrets, uh, uh, not so secrets over there in Ukraine is, is what the Russians are doing with not just, uh, uh, 
selling cities, but uh, kidnapping and deporting children. Yeah. Uh, to talk missing people. Oh, yeah. But then, so Reddit comes along and, and no, chat GPT comes along and says, we're going to use uh, Reddit to train our AI. And, and chat GPT goes, or, I mean, Reddit goes, no, you're not. <laughs> not for free anyway. <laughs> not for free anyway. You're, you're going to pay for that. Right. Right. <coughs> and, I mean, I get it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you, right, I mean, those are, you know, page requests, page, page views that costs Reddit something <laughs> when the AI bots scrape them. It's not free. Right. And see, I thought you were going to talk about the bombshell that accidentally came out that Reddit has never made a profit, despite the fact it's one of the most used websites on the Internet. Oh, well, I just thought that was common knowledge. Uh, their CEO said, he, something I think is true, he said, we're, we're 18 years old as a platform, we should start paying for ourselves. <laughs> They're 18 years old? Yeah, I didn't know that. Apparently they are. Wow. But, wow. Uh, but think about this, though. They're not okay. profitable now, and they have all of these moderators, right? All of these moderators for the various subreddits enforcing their rules for free. Right. That's hundreds, potentially thousands of employees that they don't have to pay because these are people who care about you know, the Europe Universalis subreddit or what have you. Enough to I volunteer their time and be a moderator. Well, if if those mods aren't happy, they're just going to stop. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take a whole lot right. of friction to cause someone to say, you know what, I'm done with this. And then what does Reddit do? How long do you think it, how long do you think it is before, so, um, I don't want to dox you. I don't really want to dox me. Okay, let's pretend like we lived in Los Angeles. I'm open about my location. I'm in Syracuse, New York. Okay, but... uh, sure. Okay, let's pretend you live in Syracuse, and let's pretend the Syracuse subreddit is run by somebody, and let's pretend the Syracuse subreddit um, moderators decide to close down to protest whatever. And then let's pretend, like, the mayor of Syracuse is like, hey, but we were using Reddit to get the word out about XYZ, blah, blah, blah. Right? Right, okay, now who's going to set up a new moderator? Or how do we unlock the subreddit, A, and then B, how much should I pay somebody to do that? Oh, I see what you're saying. And then C... Should we have that person work for us on Reddit? <laughs> right? Oh, does the city start paying them? I mean, but that's a question, you know, there, there you go. 
Well, that's and a valid then, question, though, right? Because it could be a, a, a social media manager's job, right? Hey, I run the city subreddit. I also run the Facebook page and the Twitter and the Instagram and all that, right? And then what? It's easy to, to roll into a, a job description. And then, but what if, so Instagram or, okay, what if one of those platforms decides, yes, but we don't want cities putting out information on our sub, on our thing, right? Or, <laughs> you know, like, and this is the thing that got my gears turning is like, you know, when, when, you know, when you say, well, when the, when the owner of Twitter says, well, this news outlet is propaganda, but this news outlet is not. Right? Well, we've you know, always had that problem with news, right? I mean, you go back yeah. through a lot of the country, you still find papers that are uh, the, uh, you know, the Cleveland Democrat or what have you, and go back far enough and turns out there were Democrat and Republican newspapers. They were actually, yeah. Yeah, and you go back and read them and they're, and, and they're all just complete propaganda. Fascinating when you're <laughs> trying to put together a historical story. But my thing is like, here we are. So, I don't know if I've said this on the air. The whole, so I'm going to say it again. I'm either going to say this again or for the first time on the air. The whole reason that this episode came to my brain is because, and I've told you this before, but I'm a hockey fan, and Twitter went off, went off the internet during the NHL draft. And you want to talk about hockey scouts and bloggers and people, you know, hockey-connected folks from interested people to the head scout of different teams being, why can't I talk on Twitter to certain people about yada, yada, yada? Right, and, and let me clarify for the audience, because uh, you had to make it clear to me when we were talking about this off-air. Um, what Ben is talking about is actual NHL scouts and team owners and stuff using Twitter DMs to conduct business during the draft, and all of a sudden that goes down. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it went down, and because he, like, he didn't pay his hosting fee, uh, he forgot to pay what, you know, he says, I forgot to pay the hosting fee. Do I believe that? No. No, I do not. I do not believe that. Um, there, I'm on my own show. This is my opinion only, but I do not believe that he forgot to pay the hosting fee. <laughs> you know? There may have been some spat between you know Twitter and Google, though, about how much they were willing to pay. Right, but so that's when all these threads kind of wove themselves into a rope in my brain of like, okay... Then you have these hockey people, these hockey scouts, and these hockey whatever, using a third-party platform to conduct business. Is that, was that ever a good idea? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> but never. <laughs> never. And, uh, and I'll, I'll tell the story I told, uh, told you off-air. A couple 
decades ago, I was interning for a company that did uh, data recovery mm. for major corporations, uh, government agencies, etc. And uh, for our internal communications, we had this instant messaging application that was integrated with Lotus Notes, and it ran on our systems, and it was horrible. It was clunky, you couldn't find your contacts, it wasn't searchable, it was just a horrendous user interface. And so everybody used, uh, for a while, uh, AIM, and then we used uh, Yahoo Messenger. Mm-hmm. But my dad was an executive at the company, and he was very upset about this because we were a disaster recovery company. Well, what are we supposed to do if the internet goes down? We can't be using Yahoo Messenger. (laughs) We should be using our own internal stuff on our systems that we know works, but we weren't. And in this in the recovery industry, so one can only imagine that if it's happening to the NHL nowadays, it's everywhere. Everybody relies on these. Well, the NHL, the NHL was just yelling about it because it was, quote, their time to shine, I guess, you know. But, I mean, if, it happened, if this had happened during the NFL draft, it, it would right. be much bigger news, at least in this country. Right. <laughs> 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 Be interested yeah. to see what Canadian Twitter has to say about this, eh? Oh, uh, oh! So my favorite team is Canadian. So I'm on a little bit of Canadian Twitter. They were not happy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm, that's all I'm going to say on the air. But yeah, they were not happy. Well, I hope that this. It causes people to rethink what tools they're using as an organization. I... Because that's on the organization, really, right? I mean, if you are the NHL... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't know how their organizational structure works, but somebody dropped the ball. <laughs> well, also, I mean, think about it. These aren't 18 year olds. I mean, they are. They're, they're 18 year olds. But because. Oh, they're, players, they're, yeah. Because their wrists go a certain way or, or because they skate a little faster than this other guy, eventually over the years, they're going to be worth millions, right? Right. Imagine what a warrior would say about that later. Right? I mean, if you start saying. I don't know if you follow hockey, so let me me try. Okay, if you say, like, my engineers were working on a program and they were talking about it through Twitter, and then this other company, like, Twitter sold this other company the DMs that my organization was having. Okay, I see what you're saying. And and the DMs were with someone who is now a celebrity or what have you, so those DMs are super valuable. Right. So my my engineers were were coming up with this piece of software, and they were talking about it on Twitter DMs. And then Twitter thinks, well, I need to keep the lights on. Let me sell these DMs to this other company. (laughs) 
you know. Because if you read the TOS, those, that's our property, right? Like, whatever you put in Twitter is our property. Right, we're really just trusting them not to share that stuff because of the reputational damage to them. Exactly. And that's not necessarily a good position to be in. Especially, so, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was, um, I had an Easter. Okay, so I had a guy. I've talked about this a lot. I need to find this person and bring him back on because he had an amazing point that he told me, and it was too early for me to hear it. He said that these social media platforms aren't building community. That we are the product. You know? Yes. <laughs> you know? These are major corporations, and we are the product. They are profiling us and selling that to advertisers. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> And that gets back to, you know, what I was talking about earlier with exclusivity, right? Right. People got upset about Twitter introducing a paid blue check. Now, full okay. transparency, I pay for my blue check. I signed up because I thought it was a good idea for identity I verification, think. but I... I see both sides, though, because, like, for example, Stephen King went off on it, and I think he's right. He said, why should I have to pay? I am the one bringing people to Twitter. They should be paying me. Okay, well, maybe if you're Stephen King, that's true. If you're Dan Toller, maybe it's worth eight bucks a month to have that check mark. I think, in your case, if I were you, I would totally pay for a blue check mark. Because you have a podcast that I think is on par with Dan Carl. You know. I tip my hat, sir. You can't see it, but he just tipped his hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think, you know, you want people to know. I think you're right. I think it can be a verification. But I forget the celebrity, but there was a celebrity that pointed out that when he was first starting out, before the blue check mark, I don't think he was first starting out, I think, but it was before the blue check mark. Somebody, there were people impersonating him online, and they were doing um, very nasty things to people, saying that he was them, or saying oh, no. that they were him. So he put out a Twitter thread basically saying, I'm leaving Twitter, and it's not for whatever reasons, because of this is why. This is what happened to me years ago. This is why the, the blue check market exists. This is why it's a thing, you know. Well, yeah, that was the thing that disappointed me, right? Because I, I think what you're getting at is they, they, they messed up the rollout big time, because the whole thing was it was supposed to be verified. And they... I mean, my experience, they never did anything to verify me. I mean, right. I am who I say I am, but 
you know, imagine I'm some stranger, some person who doesn't like the Dan Toller podcast and goes and, you know, registers a relevant history Twitter account and gets the blue check and then goes out and, you know, starts, you know, posting swastikas or something. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, where is the verification part of that? Because that's what I was supposed to be buying for that $8, right, was the verification. But then again, but then again, let me ask you a philosophical. Let me ask you a question. If you had to present them with your driver's license or whatever, a passport, I don't care. If you had to give them a digital picture of a passport or something, would you do that to prove it was you? To be verified, yes. Up for the purposes of my show, yes. I think that's a good okay. idea because I think. I think there is value to knowing that people online are who they say they are. I'm also an advocate of anonymity. So, yeah. you know, if you want to join without a blue check and, you know, be a Twitter egg and chime in, look, there are people who are whistleblowers. There are yeah. very legitimate reasons why people may not want to be under their real names, and I get that. Yeah, back, back in a different era of Twitter... I would see these fascinating threads. Fascinating threads. And I would be one of these people, like I just talked about, I'd be one of these people getting in their DMs, being like, hey, do you want to come on my show and talk about that? And they would say, no, because, reason, you know, my voice is recognizable, and, you know, and, and there was one person that had this, really interesting thread about his job. I think I think he would be comfortable with me saying it's gender. Um, but it was a really interesting thread about his job and he was a whistleblower. And I was like, hey, do you want to come on and talk about that? I mean, you can be anonymous. And he was like, I have a very distinctive voice and people, you know, anybody that heard the show would know immediately it was me. Oh. <laughs> so, no. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. You need the, uh, the old crime documentary thing where you distort their voice or whatever. I need that. I need to find, I need to find that. <laughs> of course, it all depends, though, because... The, the the scary thing with some of these, uh, you know, tools for disguising voices and appearances and whatnot is if you know the algorithm that was used to distort the voice, you, you can then... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... But see, that's a different... It's like we're living in this world... And the weirdest thing about it, and I'm not the first person to say this, but it, it's like before, it's like the, the adults would teach the kids. And now the kids are teaching the adults. You know? To some extent. To some extent, yeah. I mean... I mean, it, 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 play with, play, it, it, expand on that, if you would. I'm, I'm curious to see what you have to say. 
Well, think about what, it. What, what do you mean when you say the kids are teaching the adults? I mean, okay. So I told you, um, I just got a, a laptop for my mom. Because she said she needs a new laptop. And I decided I use Windows 11. And I've decided I don't like Windows 11. And I don't like Windows 11 because Windows 11 pumps ads into my um, user experience. Software as a service, isn't it wonderful? (laughs) And they also, they also, there's a lot of background processes. And there's a lot of apps that I didn't put on this machine that are on this machine. And I don't like that at all. Oh, wow. That's not good. Right. So I said, why don't I get you a Linux? Uh, You know, I'm somebody that I watch uh, tech YouTube to relax. I'm weird. I'm really strange like that. So I was watching the Linus Tech Tips. Shout out to Linus Tech Tips, if he's a listener. (laughs) I was watching the Linus Tech Tips review of System76 laptop. And I thought, well, Linux is a cousin of Android. How hard can it be? (laughs) How hard can it be? So that's what I mean. Gotcha. Okay, and then you go on YouTube, and, and we're back to YouTube University. Right, we're back to YouTube University. But I've always on YouTube University for that before this. I mean, because I, I, I like learning. Oh, me too. I just thought, I don't know anything about learning, so I'd like to know about it. But I thought, um, you know, and it amazes me how, how GUI, Graphical User Interface, that's an, that's an acronym, it's amazing how gooey that laptop is when you want it to be gooey. And when you want it to be a graphical user experience, it's pretty, it's very much like that. Well, I remember using uh, SUSE Linux. Uh, this is going to date me, but about uh, 13 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, I was running SUSE Linux yeah. on a laptop. It, it, was, uh, it was kind of amazing what you could do with that. Yeah. Problem back then was there was you, you had to do everything yourself. I remember trying to just trying to watch a video on it, and I had to, you know, decompile the executable, <laughs> and then manually move a bunch of files to different folders to get the drivers set up and stuff. It was very much a DIY experience. The only, and again, this is not a System76 commercial. They're not a sponsor, but hey, if they want to be a sponsor, I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, hey, there we go. But um, the only thing, I couldn't install the Microsoft fonts. I don't okay. know why, I, but you can, fire up, uh, you can fire up YouTube and watch YouTube. Okay. Right out of the box. So pretty much anything you want to do that's browser-based, then you can do? 
you have to use uh, right, and you want to also keep it to the store, like to the little pop shop. It's Papa List, so it has a, 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 a like a similar to like a Play Store or like a like a whatever they call the Apple Store. Gotcha. You know, so you have to keep it to the pop shop, or I mean, I'm not good enough with Linux yet to go venture out and go venture out on the World Wide Web and download. <laughs> You know, uh, crash your mom's computer. <laughs> well, the thing she said, she said, I, I want to be able to print off this, and I said, well, it's nice to want things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll look into that. <laughs> you know, right. but I had um, seen. So the thing that pushed me over the edge was I. I'd gone to YouTube University for something else, and this person was talking about how Microsoft has a keylogger now. And I thought, like even Windows? Yeah, there's a, no, there's a keylogger in Windows. Really? For real? Wow! That's and somewhat, yeah, kind of scary. And somewhere in the Microsoft TOS, apparently, it says that whatever you type into into your Windows machine is actually their property. Thank you very much. Gee, see, I'm still running Windows 10, and I'm working on a new build this year because yeah, I think me. this year is the cheapest semiconductors are going to get for a while. And uh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to this Windows 11 upgrade, man. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Um, go on, go on YouTube and look at um, the System Seventy Six um, channel. Oh, I'm too old to run Linux, man. <laughs> I uh, have a massive Steam library and all my podcasting stuff, and I know you can run Wine, but I think. From what I understand, I'm, I'm going to try it. But from what I understand, you can run uh, Steam on Pop. Okay. Okay, well, you know what? Come to think of it, I, I have heard that because the, the... What was it? The Steam Deck? Was that what they called their, uh, their game console? Yeah, yeah. That was a Linux-based system, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anything you can play on the deck, you can play. But I mean, so the difference, so the thing that, the thing that Pop OS has that the other things don't have as much of is they have a native support for uh, NVIDIA drivers. Okay, which is another issue oftentimes yeah. with uh, Linux is getting it to play nice with your hardware. Right, right. So I mean, yeah. One 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 of these weekends, I'm gonna put Steve. I'm gonna throw Steam on her laptop and see what's going on. See if it actually works. Well, let me know. Smoke. Oh, you'll be the second. <laughs> or you'll be the third. You'll be the third to know. I promise. <laughs> Whether or not it catches on fire, <laughs> you'll be the third to know if it actually works. But <laughs> but no, um. So yeah, that's my honest advice: is go, go, um, just go on the System Seventy Six YouTube channel, 
and just give it a look. I will check it out. I'll pro probably end up going Windows just for compatibility, but I will check it out. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm older than you, and I'm not too old to learn Linux. There we go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, Dan, um, you've been a good sport. We've been at this for longer than the time of the, cl the clock runs. Uh, but I, oh I want to... Yeah, we've been at this for almost two hours. Uh, so I want you to tell the nice folks about your your podcast. I am the host of Relevant History. Uh, you can reach me at dantollerpodcast at gmail.com. That's dan, T-O-L-E-R, podcast at gmail.com, and the website is the same, dantolerpodcast.com. Or just look for Relevant History on your favorite podcast platform. It's actually a really good show and one of the highlights of, of my odyssey through independent podcasters. Uh, I salute you, sir, and thank you very much. Thank you, sir. All right. I'll see you later. Hang on just a second.